Good morning and welcome to Grace Life Church. This is the day that the Lord hath made, and I shall rejoice and be glad in it. Y'all take your Bible with me and let's make this confession. I'm going to make a confession. You're going to think, well, Joe Osteen makes that one. Well, he made it because his father made it. But actually, his father didn't come up with it. As far as I know, uh, he, uh, Joe Osteen t said, I was in the service at Lakewood Church, and he says, they, they said, can we use that? He says, uh, yeah, if you can speak. And they, he said, someone said, well, where did, did the Holy Ghost give you that? He says, actually, I got it from E.W. Kenyon. And he says, and he's not here to ask anymore. He said, but he probably got it from somebody else. Well, it all came by the Holy Ghost. Everybody said, this is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm, I'm about to receive an incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Therefore, I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You sounded great. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the prescription for success. Probably one of the most important things. Um, that uh, you could ever hear, and I believe that you all do hear. Um, the parable of the sower says actually one out of four people here. I don't like that, those odds. We don't think we have to have that. But you know, there's, there's things that compete, mark forces, there's things that come to compete for the word while the word's being taught. Actually, it says as soon as the word is taught, Satan comes immediately. He doesn't wait till after church. So Brother Hagin always said to this, he says one out of four get it. He said, potentially 100% could get it. He said, but three out of four will let, will let it go. I don't like that. That doesn't make me feel good as a pastor or a teacher that, to know that people, before they leave the door, what came in will go out. I mean, the, the word that went forth, they'll lose it before they get to the car, which means all, what they were really was a professional visitor. And the danger is ever going over something that you know. Hmm? How many of you like steak? How many of you had a steak this year sometime? How many of you might eat another one in your lifetime? But you've already had steak. How many of you like Italian food? Whether you need it or not, you like Italian food. How many Pam, you plan to eat it again and again and again? But you've already ate it. That doesn't make any difference to you, does it? She's going to have it again and again and again. So we ought to just love the word. Because every time the, the, we can't plumb the depth of it, can we? You know, Ephesians 3 said to know the love of God, and it gives us the dimensions of it the, the length, the breadth, the height, and the depth. And then to, he says for us to know that. In other words, it's, it's multi dimensional. And so when you read the word, actually, what it is, you think you're reading it, but it's reading you. Go to Joshua chapter 1 this morning. And a very familiar passage. I don't suppose we read it here in any of our services here recently. And I want to start there this morning. We're talking about a prescription for success. You know, if someone goes to a doctor and they got a situation in their life, then he'll do an examination. Based on the examination, he'll generally write a prescription, won't he? Amen. And so we're to take the advice of the doctor. If you trusted him, if you didn't trust him, why'd you go to him? And then people will get their prescription filled. And then when they read the prescription, you know, it'll, it'll, have, uh, it'll have directions, right? 
and we're supposed to follow the directions. And uh, in Joshua, um, which has always been a very important book to me, it speaks in volumes about many things, but we're just going to be in the, in the first chapter this morning. And we, we, we come into a place where the, we know that Moses' life has ended, and uh, he was God's choice to, let, to, to bring the people out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage after 400 years. And Joshua is his successor. I don't know about you. I don't know, I, I don't know that I would want to be the successor to Moses. That seems like a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, feel, uh, you know, the shoes are really big to fill them. And there's a lot of expectation. And, of course, Joshua's got to watch, you know, how it went with Moses. And I don't know, I mean, just being a student of the Word, it didn't look to me like the people cared about him a whole lot. Most of the time they were mad at him. They were always complaining to him all the time. You think you might have three or four people that you work around that's complaining? Moses only had about three, two and a half men. And, and he, he could hear, he could hear, would be to God, would be to God. Well, wasn't there enough grazing in Egypt that you had to bring us out here? At least, you know, we got to eat a few things over here, and now we're all eating, all we get to eat is angels' food every day. Of course, we was, you know, we were beaten every day and, you know, whips on our back and most of us died in the mud, you know, but would be to God, we'd be back there doing some of that. And the Lord said, I can't use y'all, so he let them die in the wilderness. <laughs> well, <laughs> he just said, I can't. If you go back to Numbers, that's about what he says. He says, doubtless, you're not coming into the promised land. God hates doubt. He hates unbelief. He doesn't take a dim view of it. He thinks it's evil. Mm. And so... I don't know if, 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 you know, if you ever went on the interview and you, you, know, you have your resume there and you may be a list of people uh, doing interviews, uh, but what would, what would the interview look like you know, to take to be the successor of Moses? And you may think that God would have to cover you know, a book this big just to say this is how you're going to take Moses' place. But it really, he just covered it in one chapter. Actually, just a few verses. And so we'll pick up in verse 1. It says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke unto Joshua, the son of Nun. Moses administered to Sam. Verse 2, Moses, my servant, he's dead. Well, they knew that. And it says, Now therefore arise and go over to this Jordan, thou and all the people, and to the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Verse 3, Every place, Joshua, that the sole of your foot will tread upon, that have I given, past tense, I have given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness of Lebanon to the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, and to the sea, toward the going down of the sun, it shall be, your, shall be yours, or your coast. Verse 5 is where it really picks up. These are, these are Joshua's instructions to be the successor of Moses. To succeed as Moses succeeded, and to go further than Moses went with the people. But he tells him these things. This is the blessing. There should not any man be able to stand before you, Joshua. I'm going to put his name in there because he's talking to Joshua. Hey, Joshua, no man will ever be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Joshua, as I was with Moses, Joshua, hey, I'm going to be with you. Joshua, I will not fail you. And I will not forsake you. And you ought to put your name in there. Then he tells him, verse 6, gives him instructions. He says, hey, Joshua, be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide an inheritance unto the land, which I swore unto the fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest prosper, or, or that thou mayest observe to do, 
according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Hey, Joshua, turn not from to the right hand nor to the left that you may prosper. Prosper. So he wants us to prosper. Whithersoever thou goest, wherever you go, he wants you to prosper. Now look at verse 8. Hey, Joshua, this book, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, if thou mayest observe to do. Observe is the word see. See, that you might be able to see these things, to do these things. All that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Verse 9, have I not commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither thou be dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with you, wheresoever you goest. The Lord is with us this morning, wheresoever thou goest. Notice that there was instructions for Joshua, and he told him, no man will ever be able to stand before you the whole, all the days of your life. No, no man, no man will be able, no might, no army, no ability of, of any army that you'll come against will be able to successfully succeed against you. But notice he, he tells him there's something that he's going to need to do and that he, he's going to need to take a time to meditate, to ponder. Isn't it kind of ironic, kind of, uh, I've always enjoyed this, watching how the Holy Spirit uses different components of a service. Before we come on the air, during the times of greetings, the people before we start, during the time we'll receive the offerings and we're giving encouragement and instructions along these things. The music, if you're thinking of it, the music that goes right along with this message. It's almost like we all got together and said, let's do this. And then we all came up with a plan. Except I had no idea of the songs. I had no idea what the offering was going to be about. I had no idea what the greeting was going to be like. But it's all going to fit together. It's almost like God can make plans. It's almost like he has the capability to speak to different people before they even get together and make a plan. Amen. Well, I believe he does have that ability. So he says, before, the only way that you can succeed, and now I'm talking to you and, and I'm talking to myself, the only way that we can succeed, and the number one way we succeed, is by proper meditation of the Word of God. That doesn't mean speed reading. Uh, and I'm not against reading the Bible in a year. That's, that's fine. Do that. But that's not the goal. That's not what God told Joshua. See, you could say, I read the Bible all through last year. And, and, and that's, that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But what did you, did you succeed in some things other than saying, I read the Bible? You know, re reading six or eight chapters doesn't make you a better person or a better Christian. If you don't get what you need to get from, the, from, from that time of reading it, then you just read a book. I've told you through the years, I, I understand how this book is put together. When I say a book, I mean a book. I, I worked in a printing company. It was the most interesting job I ever had right out of school. Um, probably should have stayed there for a while longer. I probably had, uh, could have done some other type of work. But I worked on a letterpress. Letterpress does this type of work, does newspapers. What we were printing at that year, we, uh, <clears throat> it was in Birmingham on Oxmoor Road. And the company's, uh, I think, uh, changed names by now, but uh, we had the contract, or they had the contract of South Central Bell. So Birmingham printed the, the white and the yellow pages for the entire United States. It was really a contract that was really too big for them. <clears throat> and uh, uh, they ran three shifts, and uh, there was no uh, seven days a week, 
And the reason I quit, because I was 18 years old and I, didn't, and I wasn't making but $4 something an hour. But then I got time and a half after 40. And then I got double time on, on Saturday and on Sunday, which was not an option. It was mandatory to keep your job. It was triple time. Well, that put me up around $13 an hour. Well, I'm talking about 1981, which I don't think that was a lot of money, but it was a lot of good experience. And I, I just finally, after 18 months, not working seven days a week, and I lived in Clanton. I was driving 62 miles to work at 60, and, and there was two times I fell asleep on 65. And I was down in the medium going to the other side, and I said, I think I'm going to quit today. Because <laughs> I, I'm not going to lose my life, you know, making double time or triple time. And, uh, <clears throat> but uh, I understand how the press works. I understand how you put the book together. I know how the print gets on the page. I know how the words get on the paper. I know how the, how the binding comes in the book. I've seen all this done and have done it. But this book could be just like any book if you think this book is just a book. Hmm. I, I, I'll probably do this the rest of my life, and it's not, it's not that I'm right and you're wrong, but I, am, I'm, I, I appreciate the Bible app on my phone or my iPad. I use it all the time. But I'm, <clears throat> never, nothing's ever going to take the place of me bringing the Bible to church. That's just me. You say, well, you're getting old-fashioned. Well, I am. Okay. I admit it. There you go. I like to hold the Bible. I like to have it with me. I like to touch it. You know, what are you going to do if the electronics go off and the light goes off and the internet, you lose your internet and you can't pull anything up? I'm still going to be reading. You're going to be trying to say, what, 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 what happened? <laughs> While I'm reading. Just something about holding the book. Then I can write in the book. Amen. And so... This is, he said, it, you're going to have to meditate the word day and night. Meditate, of course, has uh, several things. We could talk about that <clears throat> at another time. But it means to think on, to think on, to ponder, to mutter. In other words, you just take a verse or two and then you, you, you think about them. Do you ever think about what you think about? That's, that's real important sometimes just to, just to get by yourself somewhere where it's quiet and then just have time with you and think about what you think about. Um, joke, jokingly, and that's what Elliot was talking about, on a lawnmower, because like on a lawnmower, I used to do it on a motorcycle. <clears throat> and now a lawnmower's become a motorcycle. But anyway, it, it's just because your brain goes in neutral. You ladies might do it another way, maybe washing dishes, well, or a dishwasher, but uh, I, I don't know how you do it. Maybe you do, don't put on makeup. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how you do it. Whenever your brain can kind of go into a place of neutral where you're doing something that doesn't require you to be conscious of every, you know, every little move that you make, we just get in. We some people do it in sports. Some people do it playing golf. Some people do it hunting, you know, where they're sitting in the woods and they're just sitting there with their thoughts. And, and, and that, the atmosphere around you, the environment, just becomes like a great filtration system. I did this one day with some other pastors years ago on Lake Gunnersville. And we was out there all day long. And the guy with us, he was out there. He says, well, I brought my gun. He said, if we see any ducks, I'm going to get some ducks. But mostly we're just going to spend the time on the boat. So we was on an, air, an airboat, about 26 foot long. And I'd never been on an airboat. That was kind of interesting. It had a 454 Corvette engine in it, very loud. So you have to wear the, you know, the, the gear over your ears because it would just deafen you if you didn't. And, you know, we was just running up and down Gunnersville Lake, about 65 miles an hour, running over the great big old great lily pads. And I told, I told Pastor Gene, he's in heaven now, I said, oh, how, how come we don't go in the water? He says, I mean, why are we riding across these big old lily pads? He says, well, any boat can just go in the water. 
because you see the motor's not, you know, the, what do you call it? The propeller's not down in the water. It's, 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 it, it works with wind. And so we were going 65 miles an hour and I'm sitting on the front and me and Patrick Billings, we were, we were looking and the green big old lily, I don't know if it's called lily pads, I call them you know, big old green leaves. They were like 50 foot wide, as long, and just a long stretch of it, a few miles. And after a while, at 60 miles an hour, I felt like I was, I was riding a boat across a pasture. And then I had, I had to do my eyes like this and look and say, there's water over there. And I said, hey, what, why, why don't we just ride in the water? He said, oh, any old boat can do that. <laughs> and an you know, airboat, you know, it could run over a small log like that. He wouldn't, he just kind of, no big deal. And after that day of being on Lake Gunnerville, which is a beautiful lake, just being out there in that environment, just along with your thoughts, it, it's, almost, it's almost like the, the things that you're concerned about, the worries, the, the, the cares of life, all the things just pulling on you sometimes, which could be people or other situations. Always looking for answers. It just became, you know, God made the tree and God made the clouds and God, and God made the, the ducks and... and uh, and Gene's going to shoot one now, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, and, and I came back Friday and he said, I know you guys feel guilty. It's Friday. You think you ought to be in your office getting your sermon for Sunday. He said, but it's going to be the best service you ever had in your life. It turned out it was. It really was. Now, he did that a whole lot. I don't know if that's the recipe, you know, to ever, you know, you need to come off the lake sometimes and get in your office. But uh, it really was a blessing because we were, we were taking time just to meditate, just to meditate. And you, there's a lot of strength there. See, when you meditate, it goes beyond the intellectual and it goes, it goes beyond human wisdom. And uh, you'll begin to see things that you haven't saw before. And uh, so there's uh, uh, another place you want to go to. Let's go to uh, Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, chapter four. Y'all doing good? We're going to get more than the one in four this morning. You know, if you can watch a movie for two hours, and be entertained, surely there's enough in us to, to be able to listen for a few minutes. If you can watch a four-hour ball game, three-hour ball game, certainly we can give our attention. Proverbs, what did I say, four? I meant 20. I'm sorry. Just a little bit off. Proverbs 20. Then we'll come back to Proverbs 20. Then we'll go back to Proverbs 4. Verse 27 says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Your spirit, the real you. Not your, not your soul, not your body, but your spirit is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Well, that word candle... In my Bible, it has a little number that says four, and I look over the margin, it says, or lamp. Your spirit is the lamp. Your spirit is where you are enlightened. In other, in other words, you receive revelation where? Not, not, not in your body, not so much your soul, but spirit, because you're a spirit, creating God's image, which is a spirit. So when God speaks to you, He's speaking to your spirit. 
And as you renew your mind to the Word of God and your mind begins to think like God's mind thinks, which is the ultimate goal, that you and God think just alike. Man, what a, what a compliment that would be. See, you, when I hear you talk, you just talk just like God talks. Well, he said, be you imitators of God. Well, that's, you know, imitation is the highest form of flattery. If you're imitating the right person. You know, in Isaiah, he said, he told the group of people, he said, your ways, they're, they're not my ways. He says, then my thoughts are not your thoughts. He said, I, I don't think like you. And my ways aren't like your ways. I don't want that to be true of me. Now, I'll, I always said, because you have to understand who he's talking to and about the situation he was talking about. But that, that's not saying I'm so high that you can't think like I think and you can't talk like I talk. talk. He said, because when I, send a, when I send my words out, he said, they come back and they accomplish what I said to do. Well, that's exactly what we're, we're supposed to do. Jesus said, we're supposed to do the same works, identical works. Well, you can't, you can't give us an instruction to do what you did exactly and greater than that if we don't have what he had to do with, right? So this is not a club that, that you can't get into. We're like, well, we can't think, you know, God's thoughts. Well, it certainly can. Can you read? And if you're a believer, you just believe. You ever, you ever noticed in, in the epistles not one time did any, anyone teach? Paul never taught a Christian, ever told him, now believe. Nowhere in the epistle can you find anyone that ever talked to a believer and tell them they need to believe. The simple reason is because they were believers. Now, Jesus said, have faith, because he wasn't talking to believers. But if I just harped on you all the time and said, you need to have faith. You, you need to get faith. Well, you can't go get what you already got because you already got it. Now, you can put it into work. Your faith can grow exceedingly. You can be more aware of things with your faith, just like righteousness. You can't, you can't become more righteous, but you can grow in your consciousness of, of righteousness, but you can't grow in righteousness. But you can grow in faith. So here he says, your spirit is, is where you get the light. This is where you're enlightened, right here. So the Lord's going to be speaking to your heart as you begin to meditate the word. Now, let me go back. Let's go back to Proverbs 4 real quickly because I got some things I want to share with you today that I think is really going to help you a whole lot. Verse 20. Now, in my Bible, see, I, <clears throat> this is a, I hadn't used this Bible in a while. I used this when I started ministry. This is a King of Copeland Bible with his notes in the front. I, I started to use this in 1997 or 8. And I see here that I put my name in here. Where it says, verse 20, my son, I put Eric. And everywhere I, I could put my name, I put my name. But in verse 20, he says, my son, attend to my words. Now, what does that word attend mean? It means what? Pay attention. And whenever I told you when you was a kid growing up, hey, pay attention. I heard that a couple of times. <laughs> At home, some mostly, and in school a few times. So he says, attend or give attention to my words. Incline your ear into my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes, but keep them in the midst of your heart. For these words are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it, your heart are the issues of life. 
are the issues of life. Now, verse 22, he said that those who keep the word, see, through meditation, he says, don't let the words depart from you. And make sure that you keep the word that's going in your eyes, make sure it's in your heart so that it comes out of your mouth. Why? For they are life, these words. These words are life. I know, I told you, I know how this book's printed, but this book is alive. I don't have another book. I got, I got, I got books. I got hundreds of books, maybe a couple thousand books. So about this book, but they're not alive. But this book is alive. Y'all with me? So he says, you, 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 you need to really listen and pay attention. And he said, and you need to speak these words because you're speaking a word that is alive. It's a living, breathing word. Second Timothy says the word of God is a living, breathing, inspired word of God. Amen. And he says, and he says out of this book, you're going to get life. Not just eternal life, but Zoe life. The nature of God. The essence of God. You could say the DNA of God. What makes God God is in this book, in his life. And he says, then when you get into this book that is breathing, he said, this breathing word is going to get down inside of you and it's going to take a life of itself when it gets on the inside of you. And then what's that? What's that going to produce? And he says, and then it's life to those that find them in health. You know this. But in the margin of my Bible, again, it says, hey, Eric, it says, look at the letter Q. I look over at the letter Q and it says, and number three, it says in the Hebrew, the word health means medicine. The, this word is medicine. Now, now watch here. To all their flesh. Could include sinuses. I don't know. Could include hearing. Sense of smell. Taste. Bones. Heart. Whatever it is. He said, this word is medicine to your flesh. So keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. That word issues also means, uh, can mean borders. This word can set new borders of your life. The borders and the boundaries of your life is determined by what you pay attention to. Boy, isn't that good. Yeah. Now, I want to, I want you, since we're close to it, um, let me jump. I was going to do it over here, but let me, let me get over here. We're right at Proverbs. Look at Proverbs 6. <clears throat> let me show you one of the benefits. Another benefit of your time of meditation. Verse 20, 6, uh, 620, Proverbs 620. My son, keep my, keep your, your father's commandments and forsake not the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart and tie them about your neck. Notice what this is what happens when you properly meditate the word. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. And when you sleepest, it shall keep you. And when you awake, it will talk with you. The word that you're meditating, I told you, you're reading the book, but it's reading you. He said, when you begin to meditate that word and you get it down into your spirit, into your heart, he said, you'll wake up one day. He says, he says, and it, when you awake this word, he said, it'll start talking to you. Amen. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> the word. Isn't that good? Yeah. So, you, 
So <clears throat> we, we talk the word, but hey, he says right here, this is the word going to start talking to you. My, 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 my. My, 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 my. Isn't that good? Well, I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 4 this morning. We're just going to carry about two, three points here at the most. That's about all anyone needs. Actually, those who study these things says never preach on more than four points. Three would be better because people don't absorb more than four things in, a, in less than an hour span. I don't know if that's right enough because I think y'all are sharper than that. And I, if I was you, I would have said amen that you agreed with that. But anyway, I was. Now we know the word confess simply means what? Saying the same thing. Saying the same thing. Saying the same thing. Hebrews chapter 4. I wish we had time to read all of it, but we don't. Verse 9 says, Therefore there remaineth a rest to the people of God. Now I'm talking, he's talking to you today. There's a rest that remains for you today. For he that has entered into his rest, about God's rest, has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Side, side point. God finished his work and is resting. He tells you, if I'm finished, what you doing working? He said, I finished mine from the foundation of the earth. This whole thing's finished. And here you are laboring, working. He said, why don't you come in and enter into rest today? He said, as I, as I cease from my work, you cease from yours. You say, well, if, I, if he quit and I quit, who's working? If Jesus is and the Holy, Holy Ghost is. Now, Jesus' work is finished, but, he, but he, he still has a ministry that goes forth. He's making intercession for you. That's great. That means he's praying for you. I like that. Jesus is praying for me individually, and he's praying for you individually. I wonder what his success rate is on praying. <laughs> and he's praying for you. Woo! Glory to God. He's praying for you. So let's, let's, let's enter into the rest now of God. Verse 11 says, let us labor. And, that, and that's what the labor is. The labor is for you to quit working. Thinking, yeah, I need to do this. And I got more things to do. And I've got this whole list of things. And, 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 and no, 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 no. Cast your care upon the Lord. Find out what belongs to you. And say, it's mine. And then there, your labor is going to come there because the enemy is going to come right immediately. Right there and says, well, that ain't true. Because if that was true, look, at all, look, look what happened today. Look what's going on right now. Look what the doctor said. And then you say, oh my gosh, I got a problem. And then, then we'll get out of rest. Get out of rest. Now, but we're going to stay in rest. Even if it takes some labor to get there, we're going to rest. How many of you went to bed and you labored to go to sleep? You know, I, I didn't need to be sleeping now. It's like, oh my gosh. And you're counting sheep, you know, you're, 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 you're rehearsing the day or tomorrow or whatever and all the, da, 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 da. you know what you're really doing out there? You're meditating. I know people, you know, you haven't said this to me, but I've had people over the years say, well, I can't, and I teach this, they say, I can't meditate like you do. I'm not full-time in the ministry. I can't sit around reading my Bible all day long. Well, I don't read my Bible all day long either. You know, sometimes when you're in ministry, you fix roofs. Right, gentlemen? Got up on there half a day yesterday fixing the roofs. Yeah. A lot of times in passion, this is the least amount of time that you do what you're doing in ministry. It's all the other things that need to be done that people have no idea what you're doing. Huh? Is that right, Pastor Bill? You, you would know. 
I mean, you know, people say, well, you only work two hours a week. Well, <laughs> come on, let's go next week. Let's see. Amen. So it says right here that we're to enter into rest. Now watch here. Verse, verse 12 is, is, is so powerful. It says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than the two, two-edged sword. Say two-edged. Two-edged. Say the word of God is quick. Now, what does that quick mean also? The Amplifier says, makes alive. It's alive. So, so here's proof of it. The Bible is alive. You know how I know you're alive? Because you're moving and you're breathing. Well, Jesus said in John 6, 63, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit, alive words, and they're life. Why would you send something that was dead to help someone who's hurting? You wouldn't. You wouldn't send a corpse to raise a corpse. Would you? You say, well, we got someone who's going to drive the, you know, the amphitheater to help someone. But both the guys in there are dead. We just found some guy paid him $7 an hour to ride him around. He said, we'll just, you know, he'll, he'll throw a paramedic on top of the guy that's dead. Well, that ain't going to work. That's a pitiful example. But anyway, I'm just saying, but you get it. I mean, what, what help is a paramedic who's dead you throw on top of another corpse? <laughs> I wish I'd have thought that through, buddy. But anyway, got to be a lot better examples than that. Take that off the tape, would you? Mr. Zach just take it off. <laughs> so the Word of God is alive. So when I'm, I'm reading the book, I, I'm, always, I'm always in my mind, I know it's alive, so, I'm, so I, I think about I'm, I'm meditating and I'm, and I'm speaking with and conversing with a person. That may help you to say, I'm going to open my Bible and speak to this person. Now, who is the person? Holy Spirit himself, who inspired over 40 men to, to write this very word that you have. Hand-picked 40 people to speak into your life. So when I'm listening to the Bible and I'm, read, I'm listening or I'm hearing or I'm reading or I'm meditating, you're talking with a person. Who's alive? Believe me, the Holy Spirit's very much alive. Now he was busy last week because he had to go get his, you know, he, he had to go get his his um, uh, Medicare and Medicaid. He's getting old enough to get that now. Y'all believe that? Um, he had to go get his roller shots and his mask. <laughs> Nothing against that. Praise the Lord. We need to be inoculated against all kinds of things. It's not really a word, but just, <laughs> amen. So this, this word of God is quick. You say, well, it just takes a long time. Well, he said, I hear it's quick. Well, I've been believing God five years. Well, I, I don't know what to take. He said, he says, well, I, I do things quick. He says, I'm, it's because I'm powerful. He said, then I'm sharper than a two-edged sword. Pierce it even to divide and sunder a soul and spirit and the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the faults and the intents of the heart. Verse 14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Profession. Now that word profession is also means the same thing as confession, used different ways in different places. 
But the, when, I, when, I, when I was meditating on this, that word pro, pro, um, profession just jumped out at me. So I just did a little word study on it. Also means the word proclaim. Proclaim, when you proclaim something. So when broken down, it's a Latin word of the word pro and clamere, which means to cry out. Well, what is, it, what is someone who's a pro or a professional? Many of you are professionals in your field. If you are a professional athlete for a living, do you dabble in athletics? Is it, could it be that you, you, you come in contact with the weight room several times a week? Or you know, however that you have to maintain your, your, your ability, physical ability or mental ability? No, because you're a professional. Here, he said that we are to hold fast to. That means cling to your confession. This is Jesus speaking. He said, I'm, I'm the high priest. He didn't say, I'm the middle priest or the low priest. He said, I'm the high priest. He says, and I passed into the heavens. Then he tells you, the Son of God tells you, you need to start holding fast to your profession. Especially in the times of, 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 of pressure, affliction, bad reports, whatever it is. He said, that's the time, if ever there was a time to hold fast. He said, hold fast then. Hold fast, cling to, hold to. Don't let go of your profession. Well, that's what Proverbs 4 told us. Don't let the word depart from your eyes. Don't let it get it out of your heart. Because if, if you'll let it stay there, he says, the life that's in that word will put life in you and the life in you will turn into the medicine that you need and the medicine will be dispersed in your body. Because really what he's saying is your spirit has a spiritual digestive system just like your body does. And when you put the word in, the word knows where to go to to fix that situation. It knows exactly what to do. If you had a headache and you took a bear of Tylenol and aspirin, you, I mean, do you have a conversation with it? Say, I, I'm hurting right over here on, on the, on, by my temple over here. And you just, I mean, what do you, I mean, I need you to go, I'm going to swallow you, but I need you to jump up here real quick. I don't know how Tylenol knows how to do that, but, but it, it, it goes to the source, right? Well, the, the word doesn't need you to tell it how to do what it does. He says, swallow it. You say, well, I don't understand it. You don't have to understand it. Proverbs didn't say you understood anything. It said swallow it. Put it in your eyes. Put it in your ears. Can it come out of your mouth? It knows what to do. Amen. See, people put faith in trying to figure out what, how Proverbs 4 works. In other words, but here, baby, just do the, take the medicine. Just take the medicine. Just take the medicine. And if you need instructions, the Holy Ghost will give you instructions. I mean, someone hands me a hundred dollar bill. So I, I, I don't know who made that. I don't even know how they made it. I understand print, but I've never printed money. I don't, I, I don't know if I could take that. I could take it. I don't get this anymore. The church is brand new. I used to get all kind of stuff. Pastor Osteen said, when you first started church, John Osteen said, he said, the devil will send every, uh, the, Satan will send every devil that he can in the first two years, see if he can kill you in the first two years. I thought, man, looking back, I said, that's right. The first two years, I was like, wow. <laughs> I was just like, man, I can't believe this. 
some of the people that he sent across my path. When I, when I was just young, young, didn't have much roots as a pastor. And, and he sent hurricane people to me. <laughs> Temptuous storms, just like, you did what? Um, uh, if, uh, I'm going to have to call the law if you tell me more. So please, either stop talking to me right now <laughs> or let's call the law. I, I, I have turned you in. You killed who, Thursday? And they're where? Not, not that, but... No, I've had people repent to me of killing people. Years before. And they can't... I said, well, what? <laughs> where are they? Several pieces. And that caused me to have some issues in my mind. I said, yeah, I think, I'm thinking, yeah. Yeah, it would me too. And I'm thinking, I don't know if they covered this at Rama. <laughs> like, <laughs> then right after that, after lunch, I had another appointment. And I had another couple come in and she said, he does that again, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to put a knife right Right through his head, right, right between his eyes. I'm going to put a butcher knife. And I was like, well, no, no, let's calm down. Let's, let's calm down. Let's calm down. And she said, she said, I'm just telling you, Pastor, in front of him, if he ever does it again, she said, well, next time he's going to wake up dead. And I said, well, no, he probably won't wake up. <laughs> Found out I was like the 15th pastor who tried to help him. I don't think it was the Holy Ghost, but I didn't know what else to do. I said, you know, there's just some people who, who should never got married. And today they're happily married. <laughs> but they went through a few things. Scars, band-aids, stitches, all kind of stuff. This, you know, there's just... <laughs> all we need is love. You, well, you're going to need some love and some more stuff, I'm telling you. <laughs> Amen. You say, well, he, he just kissed so good. when I mean, Yeah, well, that's going to go by the wayside too. So praise the Lord. So when we confess the word, we're holding fast our profession. Now, when I, when I studied that word profess and proclaim, proclaim means this, according to the dictionary, it means declaring and announcing things publicly. Right? You can see that. You're going to proclaim something. It means to declare it publicly. Pro, pro, the word pro means before and in, and in, and in advance. I'm going to proclaim some things before and in advance. Claim means proclaim. Claim means to state something belongs to us and that we have it or that we possess it. Now, what does faith do? It proclaims in advance, declares ahead of time what we have or what we possess, what we confess before, before it comes into the, the sense realm as evidence. To the to the sense realm. That's what you do when you're, when you're holding fast to your profession or your confession. You're proclaiming and decreeing out of your mouth. You're agreeing with God, agreeing with His Word, where now your ways are His ways and your thoughts are your words. And now when you speak His words, the devil doesn't know who's talking to him because you're in Christ. The devil thinks he's taking an order from God himself. Are you listening to me? Because you, 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 you put the word in you. Amen. In you. You didn't run by and say, well, I read my four chapters a day. Well, okay, what did you get? Well, uh, 
See, there was, uh, there was the Levite, and um, I don't know, some guy come by, and some guy was in the hospital, and they said no, and I think someone finally took them to pay the bills. I don't know. I, 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 but I got my four chapters in. You ain't get nothing that way. Amen. So, here we are talking about coming into alignment. Now, these promises are yours, and uh, they belong to you in Christ, don't they? Now, it's, it, it, it's going to get good, Ethel. Now, here's a, here's a verse that you probably never read, but it's in Mark eleven twenty two and 23. But you never saw this one before. Praise the Lord. The guy who wrote it's in heaven now. <laughs> Came off a deathbed with this scripture. Every pastor that come visit him says, he says, son, it, it's okay. And all Brother Hagin, he said, I couldn't talk after 10.30 in the morning. I couldn't see anything. And he said, and, and Mama, every, he said, some of the preachers wouldn't come. When they did come, he said, he, he, said, he was trying to ask him, he, he was trying to get the words out. Does this mean what it says it means? He, was, he, he finally come across, took him 16 months, he'd come across Mark eleven twenty three, And he was trying to ask the pastor, he said, this is his testimony. Does this mean what it says it means? He has three conditions. Either one's going to kill him. 16 years old. And he said, the pastor just took him by the hand, didn't answer me. He, says, he said, it said this way, it'll all be over soon, my boy. Just hold on, it'll all be over. He said, that's not good news when you're 16. <laughs> he said, that what I'm trying to ask him, does, does this scriptures in Mark 11, 22, 23, 24, do they mean what they say? Now watch here what it said. Without, y'all know the context, so we don't have to go there. And plus I'm in Matthew, that won't work. Mark 11. You know, Jesus cursed the fig tree with nine words, not 9,000. Nine words. Jesus didn't read the whole Bible to a tree. He spoke nine words to it, walked off. We don't do that, do we? And let me tell you this tree. And, well, let me, let me, let me get the translation, a new translation. I got a tree in my yard. It's kind of half my tree and half my neighbor's, but they don't, my neighbors don't care about the tree. And I've cut grass on it for years around my mother's house. It's a pecan tree. It doesn't make. It throws things out. And I got thinking about it. Why is this tree unfruitful? When I cut grass around it for years for my mother, I never thought about it. I just knew it was in the way all the time. <laughs> you know, and you get wind, there's all the branches, and there, you know, I got these big old pecan shells. And they, they're all nothing. There's green, and they're, just, they're pitiful. And I wasn't expecting an answer. He says, because that's, that, that tree's been cursed with words for years. Because it didn't make, for whatever condition, they said, oh, it ain't never made. It don't, it don't make nothing. So I just thought, well, if you know, I do want to leave that tree, since I took everything else out. I'll leave that tree <laughs> as some shade. <laughs> you know, it won't help the house none, but I mean, if I, if I need to go outside, sit somewhere and cool off, I, I have at least one tree instead of 4,000. But, but anyway... <laughs> I was riding by it on the lawnmower, and I, and I stopped, and I just put my hand on the tree, and I spoke to that tree. And I said, I command. I said, I, 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 take, I, I break every word that was spoken by you through any, by anybody who's spoken evil against you. God created the seed from which you live, and now you have life in your roots. And now I just release the blessing upon you, and you will be a fruitful tree, and you, wear, you will bear pecans, and your life is just now starting. You said, you said that to a tree? Oh, yeah. Sure I did. 
Sometimes I, you know, I, I went to Whataburger the other day. I don't go there often. And they had a hamburger. And I talked to it. I said, man, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> I had to double. It was pitiful. I shouldn't have got it. She said, you want cheese? I said, no, I better lay the cheese off. I said, but I'll, I'll take the double beef. That's real, ham that's real hamburger meat. If it ain't, don't tell me. I don't want to know. <laughs> and I talked to it. And it started talking to me. I said, you are good. It says, I am, ain't I? I said, and I said, yeah. I said, that's why they call me Whataburger. I said, that's why they call you. He said, well, yeah, take another bite. I ate the whole thing, no help at all. Y'all go sometime. Get the, get the double one. Whew, it'll talk to you. Just like that word, it'll talk. He said, you keep on listening to that word, putting it in. He said, well, one day you'll wake up and it'll talk to you. It did that to me years ago. I was in trouble and I had to have $25,000 and it was closed in. I had less than a week. <clears throat> and I've been reading scriptures that applied to my case. And I woke up one morning and just, it, it, it wasn't audibly, but I could hear it. He said, he said $25,000 is no problem. He said, all you got to do is go do this. And I said, oh. I said, but I've kind of talked to them and they said, they, he said I said it'd work. And then I shut up. And I went and talked to that person. He'd already said, we can't. And they changed their mind in less than two days. It says, okay, we'll do it. And then the Holy Spirit said, the reason, he says, and, and, and you're, and you need, a, you need a pay raise. I thought, I know that's God. I, the heavens have opened. So I, this was years ago. In the, in years ago. Because I, I, I worked and I started church and I worked and I, I didn't have any kind of income from the church. And I talked to the board. They said, when's the last time you had a raise? I said, no, I mean, I need income. In, income that comes in. You know, I'm starting a church and we're buying everything brand new. I mean, we didn't have anything. We didn't have a mic. We didn't have a chair. We didn't have anything. You know, you're, you're, you're pioneering to work. You have nothing. There's, there's, no, there's no denomination helping you do anything. It's just bleak God pioneering. And the Lord said, <clears throat> he said, you, you need $2,000 increase right now. And I said, I do. He said, well, go talk to your board and tell them. And they looked at me like, is there that much money in the world? But one person didn't. I said, well, let's agree on it right now. I said, do y'all agree? I said, I mean, you know, if a person is not making anything, they ought to make something. You know, Paul said, if you're going to preach the gospel, you ought to live the gospel. Right? So we just said a prayer, and we just agreed that so much more money would begin to come into the ministry above what was coming in to produce a salary. And we agreed on that scripture. And I kept looking at that scripture. There's two or three scriptures. I kept looking at them, looking at them, looking at them. And I woke up one morning. He said, and I heard on the inside. He says, I have heard and I have answered your prayer. He said, and the finances are being released to you immediately. In the two weeks, our income went up, four, I think, $4,000 with the same amount of people there. And I started drawing a salary. Then I started preaching better. Uh, uh, my God, that, that word works, boy. 
Now, now, so after Jesus cursed that fig tree, look what happened. And they, uh, and they saw it. They came back the next day, and Peter saw it. And remember, he, he, he called to Jesus' remembrance in verse 21. Master, look, the fig tree which you cursed, it's gone. It's withered away. It's died. And Jesus says, Shazam. No, he didn't. What did he say? He said, have faith in God. But the actual Greek doesn't say it that way. It says, have the faith of God. Now, you won't find this in the epistles because you already have the faith of God. But Jesus told this group right here, have the faith of God. Now, he, he was talking to the believers at, at church at Rome when, 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 when Paul spoke these things about their faith. He was encouraging them in their faith, but he wasn't telling them to have it. I can't tell you to have faith in God. You already do. But I can tell you, I can, I can, I can help you understand that your faith will grow exceedingly, that your faith can receive something today. It's not receiving. See, that, that $2,000, it, it was there a year before then. But I just wasn't seeing it. I wasn't believing it. And it was just there all the time. It's just like the, 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 the water behind the gate of the dam. It stays back there until they open the gate. Then it starts coming through. Amen. So he said, for verily I say unto you, Jesus, the whosoever. See there? Is it, do we have any whosoever's here today? Shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea. And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe the things which he says. Shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now there's just two things. We'll leave this part. Two things about the God kind of faith that you need to know. First one is a man believes with his heart. Can you see that? You have to believe with your heart. If you're going to operate in the God kind of faith, you have to believe with your heart. And number two, this is where most people miss it. You also have to believe with your words. You believe with your heart, but you have to also believe with your words. If you're not believing with your words, nothing's going to happen. Doesn't matter what God can do. Doesn't matter what God promised. You have to believe with your, you have to believe with your heart, and you have to believe with your words for this to work on your behalf. Now, your confession out of Hebrews four says, "Let us hold fast our profession or confession." Your confession is what you say all the time, because Jesus said in Mark chapter eleven, He says, "It says, and whoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed." Cast into the sea. What he, what he says, what he believes, and what he says. In that verse, he tells you to believe twice, but in that verse he says believe three times. Three times. So there has to be an emphasis on the saying part. Faith comes by hearing, but faith has only released through the power of the spoken word. Because verse 24 says, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. You receive them. See, the them is what you're saying about everything. What you're saying about everything. So your confession to hold fast to is what you're saying all the time. I'm going to make a point here. It's, it's simple, but this is sometimes what we're, where we're missing the simple things. Your confession should stay the same all the time. What's your confession? In other words, by, your, by his stripes I am healed. You should say that all the time. You should say that when you're feeling great. You should say that when you're feeling weak. 
You should say that when you feel like you're on the top of the game. You should say it when you got a bad doctor's report. You should be saying, by his stripes, I am healed all the time. You should be saying, my God has supplied all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus all the time. Here's why. Here's one reason why you need to say it all the time. You need to be saying it 10 years now, 20 years now, if you're on the planet. Because the devil is monitoring your confession. And when you begin to say different things because you have pressure come to your life different ways, that's how he knows he's now affecting you. Because you've changed your talk. You think that you've got to get something more powerful than what you've been saying because the pressure is coming against you in a hard way. So you, you, you deviate from that and you go to a different place. And he says, I think we're affecting her. I think we're getting to him. So he's running around looking for all kind of stuff now. Uh-uh. No, by his stripes I am healed. When? To yesterday, today, and tomorrow I'll be healed. How do you know? Jesus said I would. He said, now hold fast to that and stay with what you said. What a burger. I bet, the, I bet you they sell them today. I wouldn't plan. I wish I lived where Keith and Pam did. I'd go down there today. Praise the Lord. I believe what a burger comes to Jim. I said, Lord, I got Throw in the IHOP too. Hallelujah. Now, y'all doing okay? We got just a few minutes. Oh, oh we got to hurt. So, this, this scriptures in Hebrews chapter 4, let's go back over there real quickly and I'll finish up with this. I don't want to keep you, but it's like I gave you the the ice cream cone, but I put no ice cream in it, if you don't get this. How many of y'all want some cream to go in your cone, or y'all just want to crunch on the cone? Okay. So the Word of God is powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. Now, we got that. Now, in Revelation, you don't have to go there, but in Revelation 1.16, it says this. to about Jesus, and he had in his right hand seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. This is talking about Jesus, that in his hand, he said, and he, said he had seven stars, and, but out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. That's a little conf confusing. The question would be, why would Jesus have a sword in his mouth? Well, we know Ephesians chapter 6 talks about what the, the sword of the Spirit is, is what? It's the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. What, what, what is the Word? When you look it up, the, the word Word, that simply means the word rhema. Brother Hagin wanted to name his Bible school rhema. Why? Because it meant word spoken. Spoken word. Spoken word. The, the, so the sword of the Spirit is the spoken word of God. So what did Jesus have? He said, out of his mouth came a two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. So that phrase, two-edged sword, is taken from a Greek word. And I'm going to pronounce it this way. I looked it up, and no one pronounced it the same way, so I get to do what I want to. But it's D-I-S-T-O-M-O-S. Distimos. And it's been pronounced many different ways, but that's, I, I don't care how you pronounce it. Do what you want to with it. Distimos. And it's a compound of, of two words. It's very odd. 
very odd, but it's very powerful. This is why you came today. If you miss this, you're going to miss everything. Well, let's just cover it next week. That'd be fine. You want to cover that next week? You got a little bit more in you? You sure? When you take it apart, distimos, in the Greek, the word di, di or di means two. Just means two. And stomos in the Greek means from one's mouth. And when those compound words come together, distimos, they describe something that's two-mouthed. Two-mouthed. So the word is like a sword that has two edges, cutting both ways, doing terrible damage to the aggressor. Huh? So when you begin to meditate the word, remember Ephesians 6, 17 says the, the, the word is the sword of the spirit. So it's the word that's taken. You're meditating that word and that word is building in your spirit. And the more that you meditate it, what's going to happen one day is you're going to wake up or you're going to be praying. And all of a sudden, it's happened to me many times, I'm sure it happened to many of you, while you're praying or speaking, all of a sudden a word gets dropped right down into your heart. Anyone ever had that happen? That's called a rhema word. Well, all of a sudden, a scripture that you, it, it, it's just like what was happening to me when I was on the lawnmower. It's like he said, you ought to be reading Joshua chapter 1 and Psalm chapter 1. You ought to be spending some time there, and then, and then I'll, I'll take you from there. It's like I had this overwhelming desire to get to Joshua chapter 1 and Psalms chapter 1 about meditation. Then that took me to another place about meditating other things. And while I'm doing it, all of a sudden, uh, a, a, a scripture or two was dropped into my heart after a time of meditation. And it's like, wow, man. And, and I knew those scriptures. But when he put it in my heart, it came in with such weight. And it came in with such authority. And it came in with power. And, and it wasn't just Tuesday and I had read my next scripture. It was like it came straight out of heaven and I felt it go right into my spirit. Well, when the word goes into your spirit, comes from God, it's a sword, but it only has one edge. I wish I had time to have all the evidence right here in front of me. When the word goes forth, when God speaks it, it goes into your heart with one edge. But as you begin to meditate that word and you begin to ponder that word and think about that and, 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 and you just, it begins to build in you like Joshua. He said, I'm going to be with you just like I was with Moses. He said, son, all you got to do is meditate that book day and night. He said, then you'll find you will make your way prosperous and I guarantee you, you have good success. So you, there's things in our life that we need to have success in. So the word is quick and alive and it penetrates, you know, right between the joints and the marrow. In other words, that word can come right, that sword's so sharp, it, it, it can penetrate right between the soul and the spirit where they join. He said, into the joints and the marrow. He said, it can go right into the body and go right into the muscle, between the muscles and the joints and the cells. He says, and, he said, and it will do a surgery on you. A precise surgery. A professional surgery. <laughs> so you're praying over that. All of a sudden it comes out, drops into your spirit. And it goes past your intellect. It goes past, it seems impossible. And it gets lodged deep into your heart. 
And as you meditate that rainbow word, it becomes quickened, which means it becomes alive to you. Now you have the word that is alive, but now it's alive in you. The more you meditate that word, and that's what, that's what this means. In, 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 in the Revelation chapter 1, he says he has a two-mouth sword. Well, you look like you'd have a sword in your hand. Well, the, you know, and the, they did in the Romans. They had swords in their hand. But he said, but now it's become a sword in your mouth. Moses had the same sword. He had a rod, but he was God's spokesman. And God said, go say this. And when he said this, what God said, it happened. When he said the water is going to be blood, he said, now speak that out because that is the sword of the Spirit. And when he spoke that out, all of a sudden he put his rod down there and blood, blood everywhere, blood everywhere, locusts everywhere, all these things everywhere. So when that word comes in you that's quickened and alive, all of a sudden it takes the life of itself. And as you meditate it, before you speak it out, the more you keep meditating, it starts causing the other side of the sword to develop a sharp edge. Distamos. Two. Most. Now, now a second edge. And as you begin to meditate that word, it gets bigger on the inside of you. And you put a sword in at one time and that actual sword, the actual sword that they would use would be about 19 inches. It was the one that was the most destructive. And I had a handle here so that it couldn't, your hand couldn't slip, you know, over the blades and cut you. But it had a little curl on it. It kind of is at a slant like this. And at the end, it had, you know, it was, it was like this. It was real sharp. So that when they put it in and then they jerked it out, it would rip everything on the inside out. He said, as that word builds in you, and as you meditate it, he said, it went in. When you spoke the rainbow God gave you, when God spoke it, it went into you with one edge. He said, now you meditate that. You think about that. You ponder that. And when you do, he said, it'll develop the edge on the other side. And then when you do, he said, that word will get so strong and you'll be building on the inside. One day you won't be able to keep it all in. You'll get so excited and all of a sudden you'll begin to speak that word out. And you say, well, by his stripes I am healed. And then you'll pull that sword out. And it'll destroy the avenger and every attack that's come against your life. And you'll take the sword of the Spirit and you'll start going around and you'll begin to cut through this and cut through that and cut through this and cut through that. Because now you have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the raiment that you receive from God. But you begin to speak it and it developed into a two-edged sword. I'll give you a little proof. Way through right here. Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, I mean, Ephesians chapter 6, yeah, verse 17. I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 4. Got too excited. Woo! Hebrews chapter 4, let's finish right here. This is the Passion Translation. For we have the living Word of God, living Word of God, which is full of energy. That word you got in your lap, it's full of life and it's full of energy. Like a two- Mouth sword. 
the Passion Translation just tells you what it is. It's a two-mouth sword. It'll penetrate to the very core of your being where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. Hmm. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of the hearts. There's not one person who can hide their thoughts from God for nothing that we do remains a secret to Him and nothing created is, is concealed, but everything is exposed and defenseless before His eyes to whom we must render an account. There's no hiding from God. Everything's concealed. So it, it tells me, it gives me a little footnote. B, it says, Hebrews 4, B, says, let me explain a little further. God speaks His Word, then we, in agreement, also speak His Word, and now it becomes a two-mouth sword. Two mouths. If any, well, any two people shall agree. Hmm? God sent people out by twos. Two's better than one, Ecclesiastes said. So when you got that Word in you, when you begin to meditate the Word, not speed read, and you just let it absorb on the inside of you. Man, it, Proverbs 6 said, you wake up one morning. <laughs> he said, you've been talking it, you've been talking it, you've been talking it. Proverbs 6 says, you're going to wake up one day and it's going to talk to you. <laughs> it's going to talk to you. So I know what that $25,000 is. Son, just go do this. And the answer will be yes. I was like, well, he says, go do what I told you to. The $25,000 is right there. <clears throat> go do that, and then I'll give you a $25,000 raise. I'll give the $25,000 to fix the problem, and then I'm going to give you a $25,000 a year raise. I was like, all that came out of two, three scriptures? So, so you know so-and-so regions, Bangalore? He says, yeah, I know, I, I know who regions it. I know who you need to talk to. So I, I'll get you the money, and then I'll give you a $25,000 raise and you can pay that off and then you'll keep on making the $25,000 more dollars. I said, just like that. He says, just like that? It all came out of two scriptures. And it started talking to me. I love when the word talks to me. <laughs> I love the rainbow word of God that I'm, I'm in a situation. that God, I... I I need an answer. I got to have some help. You said the righteous cry, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their destructions. I need some help right now. And I just get in that word and I just, I just I plug everything out. I'll get in my vehicle and I'll go somewhere. I'll get on the back 40 somewhere until I hear from God. So I'm not going anywhere until you give me an answer. I got to have an answer. And He will oblige you. He loves it. Amen. He loves it. Yes. You separated yourself from everything. And, they, and everyone sometimes, you have to do that. Everyone here has to do that. At some point in your life, you've got to have some separation. And then you just listen to what he says. You just listen to what he says. And when it comes, it'll drop in your heart. It may be the simplest little thing. It may be a scripture that you could quote just like that. But when it drops in, you'll know. You'll know. No one will have to tell you it's something that God sent to you. And then you take that. It's like spaghetti. Sometimes it takes better the second day. Man, all them juices and them spices, they begin to settle in, you know, and that next day, not everything tastes better second, but spaghetti is one of the things that can. Huh? Or just go get you a water burger. Did I mention that? Anyway, so <laughs> you, 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 begin, you begin to saturate that thing. And, and what you don't realize, I know I've already said this, but I want you to get it. What you don't know, when, when you're just meditating, you're pondering these thoughts, like God told me, he says, you want to take Moses' place, that's all you're going to have to do to take his place. Because he says, the way I was with Moses, Lexi, he says, the same way I was with you. He says, Moses is no better than you. 
And if you'll do what Moses did, I'll do for you what I did for Moses. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. And I'm sitting there looking at that word, and it starts talking to me. And what you don't realize is that other edge on the inside of your spirit is being sharpened. It, it came in with one blade, one mouth. It came in by one mouth, but you're going to pull it out with two. And in Jesus' mouth, Revelation 1 says, and in his mouth was a two-mouthed word, a two-mouthed sword. That when you speak that word, when Jesus did in the wilderness, and when he says, hey, he heard that word, it was in him, and when he spoke it out, he wasn't he wouldn't fighting a devil, he was fighting the devil. He says, huh, but let me tell you this, it is written. It is written. The third time in one of the Gospels, he, he didn't say it's written. The third time it comes out as a two-mile sword. Two times he told the devil when he tempted him, no, I'm not going to cast the bread, you know, these stones into bread. He told him why. No, I'm not going to do this. And the third time, no, I'm not going to bow down and worship you. And Jesus came with the word it was written. But the third time he didn't say it was written. In one of the Gospels, he come out with a sword. He says, it is said. It is said. What did he say? What he just heard. And it became a sword. And the devil said, he was out there. He left him. Amen. He'll go with you all day long with that one, that one edge sword, what is written. But when you get to it, it's said. You say, don't mess with me no more, boy. I'm telling you, this is, we, we got two edges here. Come on, come on. Come on. Just, just, you, you want me to say that again? How bad do you want to bleed today? It is said. It is said. It is said. Until you get to where it is said, all you're hearing is sayings. You're, you're, you're an echo instead of being a voice. And you're supposed to be a voice and not just be a parakeet of what someone else said. Amen. Let's go before I get serious. It, it is said, by his stripes you are healed. Who his own self, Jesus, bore our sins. In his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were, were, way back there, I was, were, were healed. I, I, I were back there healed today. We're back there, so right here, right now, in this situation, I am healed. I don't care. I don't even know who this is for. Someone said, well, you're in the beginning stage of dementia. That's a lie from hell. You ain't know, there ain't no one here is in the beginning stage of no dementia. I don't even know why I'm saying that. But I'll tell you what, I can't. If you was ever told that, or you're, or you're thinking that, or you struggle with that with some of your family, or you're having some things, forgetting, and, and they put a name on it, I'm canceling that right now. That is canceled, and I heard that by the Holy Ghost, so I'm, I'm saying it right now. If they ever told you, 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 you you're in the beginning stage of dementia, I say you are, in the, you are not in the beginning stage of dementia. You have just begun to live in health, in divine health. God's will is not for you to be healed. He heals. He, he's already healed. God's purpose is that you live in divine health. Beloved, I wish above all things that you what? Prosper and be in what? It, it didn't say you can get healed. It says then be in what? In health. And how do we do that? 
3 John 2, as your soul prospers. Then there's another stage higher than health. You go from divine healing to divine health, and then now he, he wants you to come to the ultimate divine life. To where, like Elliot said, now it just flows out of you for everybody else. That when you speak, the word goes forth, and they were all healed. Amen. Let's quit being healed. You need to be healed all the time. Let's get to the place where we live in divine health. That when things try to attack your body, huh? Nothing wrong with getting a shot or any kind of, or using that kind of thing. But I'm saying I'm talking about some higher than that. Some higher than that. I know someone is in the ministry now, and they've had all the shots, and 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 they're a pastor, and they're and they're trying to saved their life three, four weeks later. And they've already had the shot. They've already had all that. Thank God for whatever good it does. But I'm talking about something that works all the time. I, have, you, have I had my shot? Yes, I got it. I got it right here. I got it. If I need the other, I'll go get it. And if you say, well, I don't, I don't care what none of y'all think. It'd be my body, be my choice. Amen. If anyone says anything to you about that, you come tell me. I'll fix it for you. Hmm? We don't allow strife in the house. That's why there's so many chairs here. <laughs> With strife, there's every evil work. It's demonic. Huh? I, I know the way it works here. If, if they could have voted on me years ago, I'd have been gone a long time ago. People say, well, you, they don't vote you. Yeah, they do. They vote with their feet. They vote with their, feet, they vote with their pay, paychecks. But people vote all the time. But along, the Lord told me, he said, if, you, he said if, if I ever want to get rid of you, I, I won't need a committee. I'll do it myself. I said, yes, sir. He said, well, you better straighten up. And when I tell you to do this, you do it. I said, yes, sir. He said, now I want you to give that couple of so many hundred dollars. I don't even know who they are. He said, did I, did I tell you you have to know who they are? I said, no, sir. He says, they need $300, which is why I sent them here. I never saw them again. I had to get to them before they went to the car. I said, good to have y'all. This may sound crazy. But I believe that, that, that you need some help financially. And one of them started to cry. The woman started to cry, and he held her hand. And I said, with $300, she said, that would, that would $300 is exactly what we have to have, or we're going to lose whatever. And I said, well, we, we can fix that right now. That's what Elliot said, for service. I'm, I'm preaching, and he's telling me to give. Uh, while I'm preaching, I can hear him talking to me while I'm preaching. Oh, I love that. <laughs> That's, being, that's called the anointing. That's being called the call of God's on you. You're, you're talking, he's talking to you. There's two conversations going on at the same time. You, you can't even explain how that works. It, it's, it's just amazing. It, it's amazing. You couldn't put the world and put a white picket fence around the whole world and say, Eric, you can have this, but you'll lose the ability to hear from him. You'll be saved, you'll have the word, but you won't be able to hear from him. I said, take your world and your white picket fence. I'll stay with this. It is said, it is said, it is said, it is said. So God already spoken to some of y'all some words. I canceled that dimension in Jesus' name. Here's why. You have the mind of Christ. And if Jesus has dementia, then you might get it too. But the Bible says we have the mind of who? Christ. In Him, I'm living and moving and having my being. In Christ. He's the vine, you're the branch. Whatever's in Him must be in you by union. What, what's coming up in you? What, what, what's coming through the roots of Jesus? Like a tree. Huh? I'm rooted in Him. That means life's in me. That means energy's in me. That means hope's in me. That means strength's in me. That means joy's in me. Amen. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Well, I got it. Why? I'm rooted in Jesus. Hallelujah. You, if you'll get in this book like I am, 
You look like this too. It may, it may come out differently, your personality, but you'll get to looking like this. Hallelujah. I don't mind looking like a fool for Jesus. The only difference is for me, some people, I, I just decided to believe this crazy book. This, this book's crazy. There's some crazy things happen in this book. God has done some wild, crazy, off-the-chain stuff. If they would have took God off Facebook a long time ago because he has said some wild, crazy stuff. <laughs> I mean, tell Jesus, man's blind. <clears throat> I'm going to need some dirt. <clears throat> All right, man. I tell you, you're blind. You can't see nothing. Get this dirt. <clears throat> and then put it in there out. You better hear from God. You do that to me. <laughs> That's crazy, ain't it? That's absolutely crazy. You go over in 2 Kings, and a man borrowed an axe, and he's using the axe, and it goes off into the, into the river, the creek. He knows he's in trouble. He goes to the prophet of God and says, I'm in big trouble. He said, what happened? He said, the axe head come off. He said, ooh, man, you are in trouble. He said, can you help me? He says, yeah. He said, just throw another axe in on top of it. <laughs> what? <laughs> throw another one in on top of it? Well, how, and it says he did that, and the, and the one he lost, the, the axe head began to swim. Try that at the house, see if it works. <laughs> That's a word from God. Moses standing at the Red Sea. All Pharaoh's armies right behind him, all of them, trapped. And Exodus says, he, he begins to cry out to God, and, God, and Exodus says, and God says, what you crying to me for? I'm thinking, them. <laughs> them, you see them? He said, what's that in your hand? He says, well, it's this rod you gave me. He says, huh? what's it been doing? Oh, he says, you go out there and you divide the waters. How'd like God tell you that? You go out there and divide the sea. Now, we know God did it, but Moses had to act on that. And that was the it is said part. That's the anointing. It, he, he put the anointing, he put the word on it. It, it, was, it was a two-mouth word. It came out of God's mouth and it came out of Moses' mouth. And what happened? The, the Red Sea hurt him. The Red Sea hurt him. The Red Sea hurt him because now it was two-mouthed. You think David killed Goliath with a stone? No. He kept on saying, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to cut your head off, and I'm going to cut all this. You uncircumcised Philistine. God gave him a rock and a word. It became two-mouthed, and Goliath lost his head with a two-mouthed sword. We're on the winning side. We on the winning side. We on the winning side. See, I'm on the winning side. I can't lose with what I lose with what I use. Because with what I use is the word of God and the sword of the spirit. And that sword of the spirit is the rhema word, the spoken word of God. And now I release that word of God out of my mouth. And it shall accomplish everything it's sent forth to do. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.